It's the Ship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn, creator of the Ship, a credentialed newsletter covering Utah State football, men's, women's basketball, and Olympic sports. Uh, you can subscribe at www.theagship.com at the $6 or $10 tier. $10 patrons, uh, the, uh, the Q&A will be coming soon, I promise. We're doing it this week. I uh, have had some timing stuff, and, and we're going we're gonna to get that sorted and, and, and uh, recorded this week. Um, everybody else, if you are not yet subscribed, would love to have you. You get, of course, access to all the stories at the $6 tier, except for the film stuff. The film stuff is exclusive to the $10 flagship tier, www.theagship.com, um, to subscribe and to to read a lot of the stuff that I'm sure I'm going to reference as we as we talk through uh, Utah State's latest football game. I'm joined to do that, of course, by co-host Parker Ballantyne. Parker, what's up, man? What's up, Patrick? How's it going? Uh, thanks for having me. What a weekend, man. It was, uh, you know... <laughs> in many ways more of the same and in many ways just something new every every two minutes this team is uh mm-hmm. is is something else it was a, it was a great weekend big weekend for sure as we round out the non-conference play about you know about ready to uh start conference play in earnest but but man what what a weekend man yeah so utah state 34 yukon 33 uh, we're going to talk through all of this. There's a lot to talk through. There's also a lot that feels pretty familiar as we talk about this game and, and things that we're going to we're gonna touch on that we've been touching on quite a bit, I would say, this season. And, and you have some things that feels like we were talking about this before we started recording. It feels like kind of the same story is being told with different main characters every week. It, it, is, it is a rotating cast of who's doing it, but the end thing and, and the difference here being that Utah State wins it does it in a in a i would say a pretty silly way a way that you wouldn't necessarily set out to do a way that doesn't feel super repeatable but um a game that feels very familiar i would imagine to utah state and to the people watching utah state it certainly felt familiar to me it feels like we've watched this game now four times this season yeah absolutely four times this season and about you know every game uh last season it feels like um it's definitely a familiar pattern to just uh, kind of blow that first quarter and then come back in a, a miraculous fashion. Of course, the past two weeks at Air Force and then at home against James Madison coming up just short of that uh, comeback. And this week, just barely really skating by, of course, the uh, the Ike Larson blocked PAT. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. It's just one of the greatest plays I've seen in a long time. I mean, he's that's what Ike Larson does watching that play. We'll, we'll talk about it more, but just like watching that play, the, the speed at which he gets back there. I mean, it, it looks like he glitched, you know, it, yeah. like it, it was I had perfect. to rewind yeah, and say was... like, what did I miss something? Like he, yeah. he spawned in the backfield. Like it was yeah. a video game. It was, it was crazy. Um, so a great kind of theatric ending um, to, to a familiar tale, I think. Yeah, in a in a situation, and and I have it. We have it on the list here. I think that Ike's point after block that ultimately wins the game. That's where I started with the cover story, and probably where you have to start if you're talking about this game. So UConn drives down the field in the last two minutes and forty seconds, I think, two minutes and fifty seconds, something like that. Uh, drives down, scores a touchdown, is ready to go and tie the game. Probably send it to overtime. There's like forty seconds left on the clock. Uh, thirty. It was thirty-four, thirty-three. Sends out the point, the point after team, and it, it Ike blocks it in such a way that it it was it was. I really don't know how you could possibly do it any better than that. I don't know that you could ever block a kick more cleanly than he did. He could have, like, if the body worked this way, if the human body was able to do this, 
he would have caught it and run back 90 yards for for you know the two points to put on the board in Utah State's direction. Oh, yeah, he ab- was absolutely. he blocked that kick in stride. He <laughs> he he did yeah. not break stride. He he launched and, and extended and got his hand on it, but he blocked it with like his wrist. He he was really he was really in there. He could have he could have missed by another you know, by another tick and still gotten in there and blocked it. He was, he, he got his whole hand on it. He, it was like, a, it was like blocking a shot in basketball. He really, really blocked that thing. It was perfect. It was completely Yeah, reminiscent perfect. of Nemius Keda a little bit, the way he yeah. just completely full palms that football and, and just bounces it away. I mean, to your point, he got back there. Like he was, was so ahead of that. Four he, steps. He, could have, he took four he, steps to get in there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He could have just stood up straight and just stood there. I mean, he had that ball beat. Yeah. By it felt like just seconds. You know, it, it he, is, he uh, just it's the, unbelievable. The, the sports thing that I would closest I would I would compare it to is like, and I don't watch a ton of baseball, but somebody stealing home and the pitcher doesn't even throw right where he he steals home so solidly that it's like I can't even. There's no way I could possibly get him. <laughs> He's gone. Yeah, he did it. He timed it up. He beat me. Yeah. You just have to throw up your hand. Okay, yeah, he got it. He he got me. He got one over on me. Um, yeah, Ike uh, blows through the the outermost pair on the left side of the Yukon blocking unit for the for the kick for the field goal. They said they had seen it as a weakness throughout the game and throughout the week, and that they were saving it for the right time. I would say they picked the right time to deploy it. I would, I would say so. Did not want to go to overtime in this game. This is not a good game to go in overtime in. I think that the momentum was firmly not on Utah State's side at that point in the game. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe if they had started passing the ball again, they might have had some success instead of what they yeah. did do. Um, <laughs> something to think about. Um, but Ike blows through the line three steps. He's, he's through fourth step as a gather and then launches, extends fully, Blocks the kick. If uh, if Al Ashford had not been there, could have easily scooped and scored with it and would have gotten two more points on the board. He barely even fell. I mean, he, he bounced right up off his knees and, and kept stride, kept forward momentum. It was like... Uh, it was like a it, it, like a like a you were in like a physics class and they were drawing up a perfect example of what blocking a kick looks like physically. That was it. it he did it. Yeah. He just that's what yeah. it looks like. That's the ideal way to block a kick. It was perfect. Master class. When when we put up a statue, when not if <laughs> there is a statue of Ike Larson, I want it to be an outstretched Ike yeah. Larson reaching out to to block a punt or, or a kick the way that he he did. I mean, yeah. And I mean, he couldn't find a better template of of what he did because that was just. Yeah, it, it was textbook. Um, probably not going to see that good again. But but even then, I mean, blocking a kick, having that be your talent, like that's your thing as it is kind of for Ike Larson. It's certainly one of his things, yeah. It's it's one of his things. I mean, one of many for, for a kid that's as talented as him. But it almost – like I don't want to say it's gimmicky, but it just feels like at some point there's enough – film on this yeah. guy like he shouldn't he blocked three last year he's on pace to do the same this year like he's on yeah he's, he's is it got, really that he's hard got two already this year he could very yeah easily, he's, he already got two yeah is it really that hard to just like <laughs> know that's what he's good at and stop him yeah, like how good do you have him. to be to continue to it, it blows my mind that he continues to get into the backfield when yeah. you know he's good at that it's almost like uh like justin bean being as good at rebounding as he was yeah. should not have happened like yeah, he wasn't the not... biggest guy all you had to do is know that justin bean's gonna go get it and just 
stop him. Yeah. Get right? A, like, you'd think that him. would be enough. How, how have you not gotten a body on this guy? It was the same thing with, like, Kevin Love when he was in his prime. It's like, how is nobody <laughs> stopping this guy from doing it? He's got 20 rebounds. Why is nobody yeah. boxing him? He's not physically imposing enough to get this many rebounds. Yeah. And, like, I... Just, you know, really he's, he's clearly physically capable of doing that, but it's also not hard to stop people yeah. from blocking a kick. That's why it almost never happens. Yeah. You know, like it, it, he's, he's just that good is really what it comes down to, I think. Yeah. And they kind of both, both he and Anderson kind of alluded to this at different times in their press conferences of like, I mean, I would certainly, if I was, if I was sending out the, the kick team and I saw somebody like that on the other side, I'd probably try to identify him before I snap the ball. You know, I try to, first thing I'm doing when I'm setting up for a point after is, uh, hey, where's number six? You might want to <laughs> want to block yeah. him. You might want to block number six, given that he's done this a lot and will continue to do it. And, and Ike said basically like, yeah, if they're not going to block me, I'm going to just keep doing this. I don't really, I don't really know why they're not blocking me, but I'm going to do this if they're not going to block me. And yeah, teams just don't block him for whatever reason. I uh, yeah. I, I think if you let that happen to you, if you, if you are UConn, I understand that they you know they drove down the field and they drived it to nearly tie the game was very impressive. And I thought that UConn in general played better than I expected it to here, given that the game was as close as it was. But if you let that happen to you, if you are that unprepared for probably the best special teams player in the country, um, and you don't block him you just let him split your your two guys on the edge you have deserved this loss you deserve to let this happen to you because you were not I think prepared if you, for the moment if you, you should block that guy <laughs> if you get the pat blocked the touchdown should be retroactively removed <laughs> like the six yeah. points before yeah, you should, should be, be taken because yeah. it's so blatantly obvious that this guy is going to yeah, do what he's going to do like if you're not tracking down number six and putting two dudes in his way, yeah, chip him. you deserve you, to not only get the one point, but the <laughs> two points, the, the six points from before should be, should be expunged from the record. That's, yeah. It's absurd that you're not blocking this guy. Yeah. You need to bring in a tight end to the formation, to the, to the yeah. field goal block and, and chip him because you know, he's going to try and do this. Um, yeah. I guess they didn't. Yeah. Jim Mora should be unceremoniously removed from the stadium for that. Come on. You got to be <laughs> ready for that sort of thing. That is, uh, that's what he does. Yeah. So a, a, a brilliant, brilliant play from Mike Larson, another one in a, in a career that is just increasingly filled with them to well, win this game, essentially for Utah state for a, a, a walk-off, basically a walk-off point after block. I don't know that I've ever seen a game end like that before. I'm sure it has happened before, but um, it was wild. <laughs> it was wild. I felt like Utah State was the better team here for most of the game, I would say. Kind of not feeling great about that, um, yeah, te- technically as, speaking. It was probably the last couple of weeks, but yeah, I, yeah. I would agree with I would agree with your statement and also the hesitation in which you are are delivering. I think that when Utah State was better, it was quite a bit better than when UConn was better. I will say that. Okay, I think that 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 UConn or Utah State's reign in this game of being better was not as long as UConn's, but the peak was much higher in Utah State. I think deserved the win. Uh, Again, I'm I'm being very selective about the words because Utah state yeah. also did not put itself in especially good position here. And I think probably made it a lot harder than it needed to be, but the result I think matched roughly what we saw in the game. UConn outgained Utah state, but UConn also didn't take advantage of some scoring opportunities. Uh, I thought was a little bit conservative at times with some of the play calling. And uh, ultimately I just don't really think that team is super impressive. Um, it, yeah. it, you know, they did what they needed to do to put themselves in that situation, but also you need to handle that situation better. And UConn didn't, and Utah State did, and Utah State gets the win because of it. Um, let's uh, right. let's rewind here, before going back to the 
uh, 59 minutes and 20 seconds that preceded the game winning <laughs> point after block. A lot you don't of want it to was... just talk about Ike Larson all night. <laughs> I mean, I could probably do it. I think I could probably, I could probably do it. Yeah. Let's try really hard not to. It's a fun, it's a fun thing to talk. I watched that play for like 10 minutes straight when I was writing the cover story. I was just uh, sort of enamored with the whole thing. It was a, uh, it's a fun, it's a fun play to watch. I would say, even if you watch yeah. the game live and you feel like you have seen it enough, I, I don't think you have, I think you should go watch it a couple <laughs> more times because I can is, promise you, you have not seen that play. enough. Yeah. You might want to watch it in like 0.25 speed. I did a little bit of that. That was fun. <laughs> I did like the, uh, you know, the little, yeah. the little greater than arrow, just kind of skipping ahead frame by frame on YouTube. Yeah. Um, it's uh it's a good play. It's a good play. I could talk about that play for a while, but Okay. Let's yeah, let's rewind, but I do want to actually talk about this play for one more second okay. because you mentioned I, I mean Ike Larson being the best special teams player in the country. That's a take. I want to believe that. I want to be there with you. Yeah. I just don't know enough about guys that aren't Ike Larson uh, across the is... country. Like there's a lot of special teams players out there. So Yeah, here is I here mean... is the evidence I will provide for that. He was tied for first on last year's blocked kicks leaderboard, and he's tied uh-huh. for first on this year's blocked kicks leaderboard, and I'd be pretty surprised if he doesn't finish first. There were probably yeah, punters he's... and kickers and punt returners and kick returners who are more totally impactful because you just don't get that many blocked kicks in a season. I don't think yeah. there's a single more dominant special teams player. I think that when he is uh, on the field, you have to pay more attention to him than you do anybody else in the country on special teams. I, I totally agree with that. I mean, he and he does something very, very unique. I mean, we talk about yeah. Um, you cannot you know, let there, the mouse loose in your house. There are really good punters, but they're yeah. No, don't let the mouse yeah. in the house. It's dangerous. He will he will take the ball. He will just take it from you. You can't let him do it. It is. I don't know that there's yeah. a single thing that can happen on a football field that is more devastating to a team than having that happen, and he does it so consistently. Oh, and you could see it on, on Jim Mora's face and the face of the players yeah. and the announcers you, as they were talking, but you just, I think one... You, you get a kick or a punt blocked, you just want to curl up and die. You just, That's it for yeah, me. It's, it's, it's the worst thing that can happen. It's... It, the, like it's it's almost it's it is worse than like a pick six which is the other worst thing that can happen and he does that too i mean he's he's really good but yeah. i think what what i wanted to kind of point out is the pat is so often just taken for granted yeah. in this sport you you score a touchdown and you're like okay there's seven points but no a touchdown is worth six yeah you still got to kick the ball through the uprights <laughs> And it's taken for granted for good reason because yeah. most kickers are just so automatic. And to your point, yeah, there's there's kickers that will score a lot of points this year because that's just they, they will have a lot more impact on the game. They they are automatic. They just kick the ball through the uprights. They yeah. rarely there, miss. There are guys in the Mountain West who I would who I would say this about. There are some really really good special teams players in the Mountain West. Yeah. Guys who are weapons from anywhere within fifty five yards. If you if you set them up, they're gonna put they're gonna put three points on the board. Uh, yeah. There are punters who are you have to plan for because of how good they are. But I don't know that any of those guys are doing the singular damage that they can do on one play that Ike does. Ike is, it is, I really don't even know what I, it's like stealing home. It is. It's like stealing home where you just, as the opposing team, you're like, Oh oh man, we can't, you can't do that. You can't, you can't let him do that. Now the whole thing is all messed up. Like field position is awful on a punt, on a kick. You've just had points stolen from you. Like it is never, it is one of the worst things that can happen to a football team. It's a disaster. Right. And, and that's kind of my point is just, it is, it's demoralizing. It's a disaster, but, but, the bottom line is he's basically taking points off the board yeah. because of how, how, I mean, it's an extra point. It's not supposed to be, 
it's a part that many people just fast forward. It's, it's yeah. like I said, it's taken for granted to have a guy on our team that can make that part just a part of football, just like every other play. Uh, Aggie fans should be very grateful for a guy like Ike Larson because yeah. he is quite literally like it's basically like taking points off the board. 99 times out of 100, the PAT does not matter. Yeah. Ike Larson makes it matter because he, he yeah. gets back there enough. And so I do think, um, yeah, he's probably one of the best, most impactful, um, most unique skill set guys in, in the special teams. But even beyond that, just from an Aggie fan perspective, like how cool is it that our field goal blocking team and our, our PAT unit matters you know yeah. like that is something matters that not very many teams can can say so yeah very cool to have I'll, that kind of talent I'll, i've said this before on this show i don't know if i've said it this year but i said it a lot last year because i was impressed with him a lot last year um shout out to nick paramsky very 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 good at what he does very good special teams yeah. coordinator yeah. him and bobby yep. dodd who's a quality control guy for the special teams they do a really good job those guys are consistently prepared they draw up some really good stuff they've had you know there have been some fakes that have not worked. There was a fake punt last week that did not work at all. But they have uh, they've won Utah State several games over the last couple of years. The New Mexico game comes to mind as well. That is a that's a I mean that's a that's a part of the that's a part of the game. Special teams is a part of the game, even if we don't talk about it a ton. And Utah State has consistently yeah. been really good under those two. Um, it absolutely has. And Blake Anderson said as much in the post game press conference. He said, you know, they were asking about obviously Ike Larson's blocked kick and. And he basically said, don't give me any credit besides I hired Paremski and Dodd, who are, you know, two of the best in the business. And I think yeah. that's uh, that's a pretty, pretty accurate take from Blake Anderson. He uh, he deserves credit for hiring those two, but those two <laughs> yeah. uh, get a lot of credit for just being uh, the best in the business. Yeah, I have one more sports analogy to to compare it to and then we'll move on because um, right. I have okay. I have thought let's, of one that, that would that would register probably pretty well still with Utah State fans. Think back to last basketball season. You're 28 seconds into the shot clock against you. You're playing against Utah State's offense. You're feeling really good about what you've done. You're thinking, oh, we might even we might force a you know a, a shot clock violation. They're not they're not in they're not in a place where they can really shoot the ball. And then Stephen Ashworth hits a three from 35 feet, and it feels really bad. It feels really 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 bad as an opposing defense to have that happen. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of like that's that. a good. It's it's, it's a like good analogy. the points that it's worth is is not negligible, right? Because it it meant a lot in this game. That one point was yeah. a pretty big difference in this one, but it is not something that is like in, in basketball. Every possession is not taken with the same weight as a possession in football. There are more possessions and more points, yes. but that specific possession, when that happens to you, when you are so close to getting it, when it feels like it's a given, and then somebody makes a play like a really impressive play it does it feels just that much worse because it's like what do you what do you want me to do about that what do you what can i possibly do about this like you could try to block ike larson he's really good at not getting blocked too um he's like that's sometimes talented players make really good plays and it is one of those things where as the opponent you're just like well i guess he's just gonna do that sometimes i guess i just have to feel really bad and this is gonna linger with me for the next couple minutes as i remember that possession where we almost got a stop and then instead Stephen Ashworth hit a three from the, you know half court. It's like, oh, okay. Well, I guess he just does that sometimes. It's not. It doesn't feel good as an opponent. It doesn't feel good at all. Yeah, no that 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 is a good way to put it. Like it's just that that added that added pain of feeling so good about feeling like you stopped the guy, you know, and then Ashworth hits a dagger yeah. or oh, you know well. you just hit a touchdown <laughs> and and now you're you're coming back. But, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you're right. That's that's another great analogy. There's there's no way to really just describe how good Ike Larson is and what he does, but but yeah. that's a great start. Yeah. Um, he, he okay. Is, sorry, he's, I, he. The, my ahead. last thing on this, he's tremendously good at making at just demoralizing the other team. Everything that he does, um, like all of his best plays. They make Utah State feel really good because they're very impactful and good for Utah State, but they make the opponent feel that much worse. It is never, ever, ever fun to give up a big play to Ike Larson because he always makes it hurt really bad. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. He doesn't. He, he has big plays, impactful plays, um, and he's. I think. I think part of it's just too like the emotion that he plays with makes yeah. it that much worse. He doesn't. Yeah, this yeah, guy. The thing he's going to make the good. play, and then you're going to hear about it for the rest of the game. <laughs> Yeah. you're never going to stop hearing about it. Hey, you remember yeah. when I picked that pass off? You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, he, he lets you know. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's awesome. Um, okay. Let's go ahead and rewind. I got us off, off topic there and, and got us back talking about Ike Larson, which is, 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 is yeah. t- uh, you know, that's, that's going to happen on this show. What are you yeah. going to do? Yeah. You, Not our fault. We're going to talk about Ike Larson, <laughs> but all right, let's, let's rewind. Let's, let's go back to, to where you were uh, taking us and, uh, let's, let's finish breaking this game down because it is uh, there. There was a lot more football outside of the one blocked PAT, believe it or not. Yeah, let's talk about the first quarter. Um, it was bad. Okay. It was really bad. Again, it it, it remains it really. It remains really bad. Really bad. Um, Utah State on the scoreboard was not beaten quite so badly in the first quarter. Here it was seven nothing after the first quarter. Um, Utah State is now. I have a couple of stats. Uh, losing the first quarter seven to sixty-seven, when they're holding a one hundred and seventy-eight to one hundred and two edge in the last three quarters. Um, the yardage stats for this, when you take out the Idaho State game, <laughs> Utah State has been outgained six hundred and eighteen to nineteen in the first quarter. Nineteen, nineteen yards, and uh, four uh, games. Um, they're facing a play deficit of 87 to 36 and a time of possession deficit of 45 minutes and 13 seconds to 14 minutes and 47 seconds. They have not played in the first quarter. They just don't, they just don't play. They haven't scored in the first quarter against an FBS opponent (laughs) since last November 19th against San Jose state. It's been six games against FBS opponents since they have scored in the first quarter. They are. It is a disaster. Every single first quarter, it is an absolute disaster. They have to find something to do about this. They have to find something to do about this. There's no excuse for it. I get you have an injured offensive line here. I get you're not the more physical team. I I get it. You have to figure some stuff out because it's just not sustainable. You can't win games like this. It's not. They were down 17-0 early on in this one, and... They did a really good job to rally. They got a touchdown right before the half on a a 63-yard completion to Colby Bowman. They scored coming out of the break. That's a great way to to do a comeback is in the middle eight to score two touchdowns. But they're they're in this situation every single week. Every week they are facing this, and it's it's not going to get any easier. It's not going to become easier to do this. You're going to keep playing good teams. You just can't do this. You just can't start games like this. Yeah, in fact, it's going to get a lot harder. Um yeah, I mean it's it's frustrating. I mean, like we're we're definitely shifting gears here from being stoked on you know the way this game ended to being really disappointed, frustrated, upset with how this game started. Yeah, um, there's no way around it. There's no way. I'm I'm you know like I've said before, like I'm a huge Utah State fan. Like it doesn't it's not fun for me to sit here and talk about how bad we are. Like, that's not fun for me. It's not, yeah. you know, like this sucks, you know, like, and in the same way, watching too. it's these been guys, the same exact problems every single week. It's, the, the, it's, it's just, been the same, yeah. same thing every week. Um, and here's what it comes down to. We did, we've done the same thing 
I think every game this year. I, I don't think you can even exclude Idaho State in that, but you, you can. But yeah, we've done the same thing, and we're seeing what we can do. When we don't play the first quarter or the first half, we're going to lose to Air Force. We're going to yeah. lose to James Madison. We're going to beat UConn. Yeah. There's a pretty good line of demarcation between UConn and just about everybody else we play. Yep. And we don't know where the other teams are going to fall. Colorado State, for example. Yeah. They're definitely somewhere in between yeah. Air Force and UConn. You can, but we don't know where our line is. You can maybe do this against New Mexico and Nevada. You're not usually going to be playing New Mexico and Nevada. I think right. that that's... played them both once because yeah. it's you know football. Like <laughs> I'll tell you right now, we can't do this against Fresno State. No. If you don't figure this out, you're going to lose to Fresno State. San Jose State does not look very good. I don't know. Are they closer to UConn? Or are they closer to James Madison? Kind of tough to tell. San Diego yeah. State as well, kind of tough. And then, like you said, Nevada. It, it, okay, it, maybe you can afford to do this against Nevada, then Boise State, New Mexico. Like that's the... this team doesn't win very many games if they yeah. Go ahead, sorry. I, no, I think that the easiest way to say it is that you might get, you might get lucky. You might get to six doing this if you can beat those bad teams. If you can, you know, come back against Nevada and New Mexico and maybe the two California teams. Right? You might get lucky. You might get six wins. It would be so much easier to just not do that. It would, <laughs> it would be made infinitely easier if you just didn't do that. If you just started the games normally and just played roughly up to your standard through the game. And I know that Utah State's more frustrated about this than we could ever be because they're the ones going through it every week. Yeah, but, yeah. like, I don't know, maybe just put new players in, right? Maybe just try different guys if it's consistently not working with these guys. They did it at quarterback. Now they're they're going, you know, we're going to talk about the injury at quarterback. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that but, for sure. And I thought, <laughs> I thought that, you know, we're going to talk about Cooper. I thought he played really well. I thought he looked like how he, you know, yeah, he how, you, how you want him to look and how you want him to play. Yeah. And I thought he, he took to the coaching obviously pretty well. But just don't do this. Just put out different guys. If you're having this problem every week with these guys on the lines, right, if you're saying, oh, well, the line was getting blown off the ball in the first quarter, then don't play them. Then take them off the field. I know that these yeah. are the veterans. I know that, you know, we love Hale Motuapuaka. He's a, he's a longtime contributor. If he's not playing well, put Sir Mel's in. I'm sorry. It's a business. you got to win football games. If it's not working, then change something. I, I just, you got to try. It's, the, grow, you, the growing pains with the young guys, I get it. But the old guys aren't doing it. They're not playing well right now. They're not starting games well. If you're getting blown off the line physically, put bigger guys in there. Just, just change something. Do something different. I don't, it looks the same. It looks like the same problems every week. Yeah, it, it is. It is the same. And it, it's team wide. It seems to be just endemic on this team. Um, let me let me be clear about one thing as I continue to to rant and and you know dig into this. Um, I am not in the fire Blake Anderson camp, not even by a long shot. However, there needs to be some accountability here, and I I can understand the frustrations, and I think it's probably about time that you know, the, the attitude towards Blake Anderson and his ability to get a team ready is, is shifting. Yeah. Um, it's, I, it's gotten yeah. from the point where it's, it's no longer amusing. It's no longer, Oh, this is just what Utah state does. Uh, ha ha. Let's laugh it off and, and yeah. play well in the second half. It is, you can't, uh, it do is this. time for Blake yeah. Anderson to figure this out. Yeah, you can't really, this shouldn't yeah, really be your is. thing. This can't be your thing. This is not a good thing to have. This is not a, no. go, oh, well, we're a second-half team. You can't just not play in the first half. I get it. It takes you time to grow into the game. 
you gotta you gotta figure some stuff out. And, and I, I somebody said uh, in the post game, uh, one of the I can't remember. I think it was on the radio. They were talking about like this is just uh, Aggie fans have to get used to it. Like this is just what Utah State does. And I'm thinking, no, it's not. Like this, if Aggie fans get used to not playing in the first half, we will get used to winning four games a year. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's not something that this is not this cannot be your thing. Your thing no. cannot be mounting a comeback every week because you barely snuck by UConn. You're you're putting, uh, one of the worst teams in the country. You're putting too much on it. You're put you're they're they're putting too much on the guys to have to do this every week. And it's great that they keep fighting. It's great that they have the ability to come back. You shouldn't have to do it every week. It should be if it happens against Fresno State, you know, it's an undefeated team. They're really good. If it happens against Air Force, I get it. They're really good. They're going to beat a lot of teams. It shouldn't happen against UConn. <laughs> it just shouldn't. It no. shouldn't happen against no. Colorado State this week. You you gotta be you gotta be ready to go. And and I think that, you know, and I, I said as much on on Twitter after last week's game, like Blake Anderson's not on the hot seat. They're not gonna fire Blake Anderson. He's he's gone no. to no. he's gone to two bowl games in two se- in the two full seasons we've seen. He won a conference championship. That is not the standard at Utah State to fire a coach for going to two bowl games and winning a conference championship. Um, right. that's not the standard anywhere. You know, I think that, <laughs> yeah. I think that, uh, like Boise state probably is going to be pretty upset with a coach who does that and, and would probably start to consider a hot seat in year three. And I think that they're in that place with Andy Avalos, who we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, but they're still not doing it. They still didn't fire Andy Avalos for having two disappointing seasons where they won a bunch of games, right? Like that is, that is not the standard anywhere. It's not the standard at, at, at any school in the country, and, and he's not on the hot seat. But yeah, that absolutely. does not protect him from being criticized for things that continue to be bad. They continue to be bad to start games. you got to change something. you got to do something else. I get that it's hard. I get that the team isn't experienced. They've played five games. It should be different. It should be changing. It should be showing signs of improvement and it just isn't it just isn't in the same ways it's the same problems that keep cropping up you got to change something it, it is that's yeah. the job that it just is that's the job you got to fix it and i get that it's frustrating you lost all those guys to the transfer portal it is october you got to move on you don't have them yeah you don't yeah. have them they're gone byron vaughn's is playing for baylor daniel greshick is playing for cincinnati they're gone <laughs> they just are yeah. and you got to move on you got to find Something else that will work, I get, you know, it would be great to have those guys. It would be great to have AJ yeah. Vongpachan. You don't. And you're not going to. He's not coming back. <laughs> you know, you got to you gotta adjust. You got to find it. I, you know, you, you got, the situation's never going to be perfect. And I get that it's a hard situation, but there's no excuse for having the same problems every single week. There's just not. Yeah. And, th- and that seems, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that, that does seem like a, a bit of a response to Blake Anderson in the press conference talking about yeah. continually talking about the yeah. transfer portal and how he was, uh, you know, he, he lost some guys to the portal, yeah. uh, which is true. That's fine. It, they everybody it's, does. It's, we also, yeah. everybody does. Air force has lost guy. Air force has a pretty good, had a pretty good receiver who's playing for Utah state. Now I'm sure air force would love to have yeah. Micah Davis. They found somebody else. They found ways to win football games. You know, Fresno yeah, State things... Fresno State lost some really good players in the transfer portal. Some really good players. Receivers who are starting at P5 schools. Cornerbacks, yeah. safeties who are starting at P5 schools. Guys who went to the NFL. Jake Hayner's in the NFL. And they're 5-0. and They found a way. You, you only have the guys who you have. At some point, 
you're you're not putting words in my mouth. I'll just say it. At some point, man, you have to just play the games that you have on your schedule with the players that you have. I get that it's frustrating that guys left. They didn't leave for no reason. The team's culture last year was not good. I think people could tell from watching the team play, the culture was not good. I don't I don't think you really could blame them for doing that. They went to better situations after a bad season, after a frustrating season, after a season of, of disjointed play. Flush it. Move on. <laughs> you only have right. you have these yeah. guys now. Work with these guys. You're not gonna get those guys back. I get it. You got a talented bunch here. Let's <sighs> For for all the things the transfer for the for all the things the transfer portal does, one thing it doesn't do is change the number of roster spots any team has available. So when you lose guys to the transfer portal, it's not like you lose. It's not like a power play in hockey and you just miss out on that roster spot. Like you you reloaded. If you didn't, it's your fault. But they reloaded. Um, The transfer portal it it takes and it gives, and that's just it's a two way street. Uh, we've talked about that on the show before. This team is a full roster. We fielded a full team this year, and we have a full schedule at, uh, at this point, you know, a little over half a schedule ahead of us. And if our head coach is still looking back at the transfer portal from last year, that's yeah. uh, that's a problem. And he does have a talented squad, I think. He's got a definitely good enough to – yeah. Make a bowl game and do some of those other things. And, and a lot of guys who came from the transfer portal. You roll down the list of stars on this team. Transfer portal guys, JUCO guys, you know, and, and the JUCO guys, right? Like those teams are not expecting to hold on to Terrell Vaughn. The job is to send them off. The job is to get these guys in, get Jalen Royals in for two years and send them off. Devon Booth, Russell Faison. There's a lot of guys who came from the JUCO route on this team. But like Arkansas State, I'm sure would love to have Anthony, would love to have Anthony Switzer. Would love to have Anthony Switzer. They don't. Utah State does. That's Utah State's benefit. They get Blaine Spires. Yep. They get, you know, Avante Dickerson, Simeon Harris, Jaden Francois, Devin Dye's a Juco guy. Uh, you know, MJ Tafisi. MJ Tafisi, I'm sure Washington, that defense is not great. I'm sure they would love to have a really good linebacker like MJ Tafisi, but they don't. And it, 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 it gives and it takes away. I think it's given Utah State plenty. I think Utah State has, has done a good job in the portal. It's just just be yeah. just be happy with those guys and, and, and coach them up and understand that the circumstances are what they are and they're not going to change. It is what it is. And you're not always going to lose that many guys to the portal, but sometimes you are. And you just have to you have to keep moving. It's it's it doesn't do anybody any good to still be harping on it this much. Like, yeah, the roster's changed. It's different. It's going to be hard. It's we get it. But changes every year. It's, it's, it's October. You've played five games already. There's only 12 games guaranteed in a season. Time to get going. It's time to get moving with these guys and understand that this is the circumstance that you've got. Yeah. And and so that, that kind of reminds me, there was one quote, uh, again, in that press conference that I want to draw yeah. uh, attention to. I'm sure you noticed it at the time. Um, Blake Anderson, I think it was kind of in his opening statement as he kind of sat down and, and kind of just greeted uh, the, the press. Uh, he, he said something to the effect of, there's no such thing as an ugly win when you're rebuilding the way we are which struck me as kind of a change in uh, tone and narrative from his perspective. Um, did you notice that? Or has he mentioned anything to this point about this being a rebuild? I mean, I know he, he has harped on the transfer portal kind of week in, week out, but he also set pretty high expectations coming into this season. 
Uh, was that, am I missing that or, or is that a little bit of a shift from, from I, I, I think this was more overt than a lot of it has been before. A lot of it before has been that they don't really know what they have, which I think is true. I think they honestly didn't yeah. really know what this team could be. And I still don't know that we know fully what this team could be. I think that there yeah, is, definitely not. you know, you, you've seen two very different teams from Utah state this season in every single game. <laughs> and if you can unlock the good one, which we talked about last week, you could be really good. And if you can't, it's going to be a lot of this. And I, I don't know that I would, you know, I, I, I am less qualified to talk about this than Blake is because it's his team and he's with them every day. I don't know that I would say that this team necessarily needs to be a rebuilding team. I think they have the talent to be good. I think they have the talent to be a bowl team. I think they've I would agree. pretty clearly showed it against some really good opponents. You know, you roll through the records of the team who's the teams who they've lost to. I think they're 14 and one, right? Iowa's is the lone loss to Penn State. Air Force is unbeaten. James Madison is unbeaten. I think pretty solidly two of the best teams in the G5. Iowa is what it is. And then the teams they, they've beaten are, you know, a, a pretty bad FCS team in Idaho State. A, a re, that is a rebuilding program, firmly. That's a re, They were 1-11 yeah, yeah. last year or whatever it was. Um, and UConn, which is not in a good place. And I think that they're, you know, that's they, another team who is dealing with the transfer portal and maybe not doing it in the best possible way, uh, which we talked about on the preview last week. And Utah State was competitive against all three of those teams that they lost to. It was very competitive. Could have won those games if not for self-inflicted errors. That's not a rebuilding team. I'm sorry. If you can do that, if you can keep pace with Air Force, with James Madison, with Iowa, after the starts that they had in those games, you probably have a pretty good team somewhere in there, right? Like you can't just, nobody, people aren't just beating James Madison. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to beat Air Force. San Diego State just got blown out of the water by Air Force. It was never competitive. That's a good team. And Utah State took those guys into the fourth quarter and has done that consistently this year against teams who are considered good and who I think are firmly good. There's good here, and I I, I don't really... I, I don't really love the language there on that because I don't think that this has to be a rebuilding team. I think this is a good team. I think that there's a good team in here if they can find it. There absolutely is. Let me just speak as like a fan for a minute. Like I know what a three and nine team looks like because I've seen one here before. Yeah. I've seen plenty of not great teams. I mean, we were three and nine and, uh, 2016, I think. I know what a one win, a two yeah, win, a three win, four not, win teams look like. It's not been I've that long since 2020. My... That was four yeah. seasons ago. That was not well, a good right. team. Yeah. <laughs> that was a train wreck um, everywhere. Like I know what a bad team looks like because I've been a Utah State fan for a long time. I also know what a good team looks like because I've been a Utah State for a, fan for a long time. This team is not bad. Yeah. This team should be bowl eligible. And that is one thing that you know, as disappointing as some of these things are, all of our season goals are still intact. I mean, yep. obviously the, the college football playoff, I mean, that's never, that was never a no. goal. That's not a possibility ever really at this level. Um, outside of that, you know, it'd be nice to be ranked in the top 25. That's probably off the table for the rest of the season. That's not, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And that's I fine. can't think it's, of a single that's, that's not the end goal. The goal is to get to six and maybe to get to, you know, get to nine or 10 and be competing in the Mountain West Championship. That's it's right. an objective measurement of success when you are doing this. You don't, you know, 
style points, like I said in the cover story, are not really a thing here. It's not really something you yeah, need to not, consider. But it's not what you're going for. Those the, of... those goals are not gone. Utah State can get six. Utah State can compete in the Mountain West. It's still alive. They can do that. They have one conference loss against the best team in the conference. You can you can you, you can still do something here. Utah State is very much in in play for every goal outside of being, you know, cracking the top 25 and some of those other, um, you know, superfluous goals yeah. on the side. Ancillary. I can't think of yeah. a single season goal that is broken is out of play at this point. Even, even the Mountain West championship play, you know, you still are in the hunt for that. If you turn this around yeah. and do it quickly, it's an uphill battle because losing to air force. I mean, you're and one in conference play, but, if you end up with one loss at the end of the season, good chance you're playing in that. Yep. Um, that is still that is still in play, and certainly being eligible is still a goal. Um, that that should be kind of the baseline standard. I mean, you talk about um, what the expectation here, here at Utah State is when you know you mentioned it's it's not the the pattern here to to fire a head coach. It's it is the pattern to be in bowl games every year. I mean, we ever since kind of the first Gary Anderson era once we were you know once we became relevant again we we don't miss bowl games very often that's just not what we do here at utah state yeah um and 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 i think this this season should be no different this is a bowl team yeah this should be some of the self-inflicted stuff from what i have seen from these guys this should easily be a bowl team they are good enough to do that i think absolutely they are good enough to do that um and yeah when a utah state team isn't a isn't a bowl team there will be questions about that you know even this would be this is several, you know, almost a decade ago at this point. But when it was when there were down years under Matt Wells, people were not happy about that. People were not, and understandably so. This is a bowl program, at least. That is the standard yep. at Utah State, and I think this should be a bowl team. I don't know. I've not seen anything from this team that makes me think that they can't go to a bowl game. A bowl game. They have really good receivers. They have gotten some really good quarterback play at times this year. I think the running backs are good. I think that there's talent on both lines. It's, it's not been put together fully yet. The consistency is not there. But the skill talent on this team is excellent. I think it's really, really, really good for this level of football. That's enough, man. That should be that should be more than enough. And it's I, 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 I think that there should be a reframing for that. I, I really don't know that the expectations should be lower than that. It, it A bowl game is absolutely reasonable for this team to expect and to to assume will be the case, right? This is this is a team talented enough to do that. Yeah, and and you know the only thing I've seen in this team that makes me think a bowl game would be difficult is the way that they play in the first quarter. I yeah, mean, we've we've talked about that. That's the, the that's the theme. And I, I will say, like, I went from losing to James Madison and feeling good about it to beating UConn and being not so happy about it. You know, it's it's interesting how football works that way but i really wanted this game against utah to go uconn to go different because this was the game we were supposed to figure out the first quarter woes and get into conference play and and have an opportunity to run the table or at least be very very competitive yeah um the fact that we weren't able to figure out the first quarter issues in the in this game against uconn again one of the worst teams uh, in the country is is very frustrating but if they can figure some of that stuff out, this is a bowl eligible team without a doubt in my mind. They have the talent. They have the depth uh, at, at some of the necessary positions. There's definitely issues uh, kind of on that offensive line, but everywhere else uh, they, they seem to be good enough, if not very good to be 
you know, very good and, and should be a bowl eligible team. Yeah. And, and I think that as we move further into this game, the first quarter, we can, you know, we, I think we've talked about it enough that 17, nothing going into the last drive of the second quarter, they score on the touchdown, go into halftime, come out of the break and score again. Um, I want to talk about some of the good here because I think that there was good. They won the game. <laughs> they figured out a way to yeah, win the game. Yeah. And I think that one of the biggest things that you have to point to as as a as a good would be the passing attack, which took a very strange approach to get there and one that I'm sure that they didn't hope to take and one that will probably have an impact beyond just this week. Um, but McKay Hillstead goes down with a concussion early in the second half. Uh, his status is at this point unknown. I thought he played pretty well as the game went on. He did not start super well, had the two interceptions. I don't think that the second one was really his fault. Um, just bounced off of Colby Bowman's hands. I'm kind of tired of saying that about him. Um, <laughs> just, uh, yeah. You, yeah. you got to catch the football. Um, if it hits you in the hands, probably should probably should catch it. Um, and he, ma- he made up for it with the touchdown later on, but not that much. You probably should catch the football. Um, but <laughs> Cooper Lagaw comes in in relief. Cooper Lagaw, of course, I don't think we need to give a whole lot of background on. People know who Cooper Lagaw is, and I thought he was fantastic. I really, really do. I thought he was fantastic. I have criticized Cooper Lagaw and his play. Um, I've not been alone in that. I don't think I was wrong in doing that. I think that he was struggling pretty clearly. He was benched. He was benched for a true freshman, and he came in, and he played exactly how he should play. He played exactly how he should play. He played like you want him to play in this offense. He was decisive. He was smart with the football. He ran when he needed to. He had six carries for 26 yards. He didn't take any sacks. He got the ball out really fast. His time to throw was like 2.32 seconds. That's the lowest he's had in a single game since Colorado State last year, and he only played in the first quarter of that game. He's never had a game lower than that. Um, He was confident. He got the ball in the right place. He trusted his receivers to go make plays, especially Jalen Royals, who was tremendous here. Seven receptions, 185 yards, three touchdowns. He housed a 71-yard screen, had a a 15-yard touchdown reception, and 52, I think, was the last one. Um, I thought he was he was pretty much perfect here with Terrell Vaughn doubled throughout the game. Jalen stepped up and played really, really well. Um, but I thought Cooper Lagaw was excellent. I thought he was absolutely excellent. This was everything I wanted to see from him. This was all of the issues fixed. He looked he looked ready to go. He looked like he was ready for the moment. And Utah State needed it. They needed every little bit of it. I thought he was a uh, I thought he was I thought he was terrific. I, I really, really could not be more impressed with what he did in this situation with him staying ready for this moment. I think he took a lot of the coaching that he got to heart. I think he responded the right way. Really, really cannot compliment his performance enough. I was I was blown away. Yeah, I I you can't you, you really can't compliment this uh this game enough for uh for Cooper. Clearly just having the the right attitude now for a couple of weeks as the backup. Um, I, I will also mention, even as McKay Hillstead goes down with a concussion, didn't know it was a concussion at the time, but I think it was evident yeah, pretty quickly that pretty he was clear. done for the game. Yeah. Um, Levi was still on that extra, uh, or on the uh, he made some plays too. Unit. He drew a penalty. He drew a 15-yard penalty on <laughs> Utah did. on kickoff. He did. So he's in the he's in the stat book <laughs> officially now for uh, special teams. But I think that just goes to show, even as McKay Hillstead goes down. Um, Coop, they they have at least enough confidence in Cooper to not even take Levi off the special teams <laughs> unit and just let him play, uh, let him play some football. And I think yeah. Cooper responded um, not only appropriately and adequately, but 
it was tremendous what he yeah. was able to do. The, uh, being benched for a true freshman, being able to stay focused and be um, just about the best best backup we could have asked for in this game. Yeah. Um, and rallying. The, the, just they need to figure out how to keep that going because I think he's probably going to yeah. be the quarterback at least this week and probably next week as well. Um, I don't know. The, the, the return timeline for a concussion is very – uh, you know, it can change. It can change a lot. Yeah. Last year, Cooper was out for the end of the, when he suffered one, he was out for the rest of the Colorado state game, all of the Wyoming game the next week, there was a bye week and then he was back against New Mexico after that. So he missed basically three weeks. Um, I think that would be, you know, probably about what I would expect. I, again, you don't know the severity though. It can change quite a bit the the timeline for this kind of thing. I think I am of the opinion that Hillstead will be, the starter again when he's healthy, which I think is a, a fine decision. They've made the decision already. We've talked through yeah. the decision already. When he's healthy, I think he'll be the starter. Um, but Cooper, the the best thing, uh, this is something that when I was back in back in Columbus at Buckeye Sports Bulletin, something that my uh, my the 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 publisher and basically the the guy who started the newspaper, Frank Moskowitz, would tell me all the time that the best compliment you can get for any work that you do is that it was it's professional that it that it's professional that it seems like you are you know you know exactly what you're doing and that you that you handle yourself the right way i would describe this completely as a professional performance from cooper lega i thought that the the way that he handled himself the way that he carried himself the fact that he stayed ready that he was ready to go for this game and stepped right in um professional it was it was it was very very impressive to see that that's what you that's how you want him to respond that's how you want your veteran to handle himself um i think utah state is very i don't know that lucky is the right word because you do have to put in work to do that you do have to keep him engaged but i think utah state is very lucky to have a guy who can do that and who can handle a a tough situation a really tough situation cannot really cannot say enough about him very very impressed with that yeah, extremely professional. I think some of that, uh, just his maturity, really, really showing uh, in this game. It's hard to do. As we, <laughs> that's, that's very a hard. hard to that's do. a really hard situation to be told um, that you are being, yeah, going to the bench yeah. for a freshman to for stay engaged, freshman, yeah. to be a leader, to be an energy guy, to help the freshman along. That is somebody who cares about his team and about his teammates. That is, um, that is really, really, just admirable. It's extremely admirable. Yeah. And, you know, one of those, you know, one of those fun football cliches that people always throw around is you got to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Uh, Cooper, like clearly, clearly taking that to heart and just being on top of, of his, his, you know, mentality and his body, his performance, yeah. uh, because he, he was clearly warm and ready to go. He came in and scored, finished that drive that McKay Hillstead started and, and uh, finished uh, with a touchdown. Um did not take long to get ready. I think that does that does just speak to the professionalism that you mentioned, his maturity, uh, and and just kind of his IQ for the game. I think it's been no secret that uh, Blake Anderson and his staff, and probably the rest of the quarterback room, has known that at some point McKay's going to have to come out, uh, and we we didn't know whether that was going to be you know just him getting dinged up, a helmet coming off, whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, in this case, unfortunately, something much more serious, and we we hope that Hillstead gets healthy quicker. Um, but but really, just Cooper, you can't can't say enough good. Clearly, was just very situationally aware, stayed ready, came in, uh, ended up um, ended up eleven of thirteen for two hundred and four yards. That's it's just it's spectacular performance from your from your yep. backup quarterback. 
got to build um, on it. You got to got to really find a way to keep really that impressed. going if you're Utah State. You, you need going. to yep. you need to keep that unlocked. You need to figure out where where he was at mindset wise this week and and how it how it clicked, why he was so confident, why he was so decisive and tap into that because yeah, he's a very that. different quarterback when he's playing like that. He's a very good quarterback when he's playing like that. If this is the Cooper that you get coming off the bench, Utah State has a very very good quarterback room. Um yeah. There are yeah, not a lot of teams that can, that can do, able that. To do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so there could be, well, let's see there, there could be um, depending on the timeline with McKay Hillstead, there could be some, uh, this could get more complicated in terms of if this is more than a few weeks, if this does become an extended uh, injury, his medical red shirt could still be intact. Yeah. His regular uh, redshirt, wanna, even. I think he's played three games this year. Do you want to speak to that at all, or um, or let it play out a little bit? Yeah. Uh, before we before we get too into the weeds on that. Yeah, I I think we'll probably just wait and see to see what the severity is and what the timeline is. Roughly, his regular redshirt is still intact. He's played three games this year. Um, I think if this is a long term recovery thing, then they probably will just just bank it and let him recover and not risk it. I don't think that they're going to. You know, I, I don't think that they're going to put him in harm's way. Blake said as much after the game. They're not. Hope not this yeah. is really not an injury you want to do that with. You don't want to do that with any injury, but especially you can't really physically rehab a concussion. I don't think I'm telling people anybody new here, any, yeah, anything yeah. new here. This is not like a, you know, an ankle injury. You can't get surgery for a concussion. You have to be just, you have to be cleared. You have to know that you're not going to be at risk of furthering that injury of making it worse and you don't know until you know and the recovery like i said is very it's variable it's really hard to know exactly when this is going to be i don't think he's going to be pushed back in before he's absolutely cleared and ready and i don't think utah state's going to put him in that position until the medical staff says yes he's good to go he's okay we can put him back in um, I think that's the obviously the right approach. It goes without saying. You you don't yeah, you don't rush yeah. a guy along who has a concussion because you can do a lot of serious long term damage, not just as a football player as a person. You can't you yes, can't do that yeah. to a guy. You just can't. Yeah, I will say if Blake Anderson, I, like I say, you know, I'm I'm not on the Blake Anderson hot seat team. I'm I'm very pro, pro Blake Anderson. Yeah. If he wants me to turn on him, yeah. all he has to do is put put McKay yeah. Hillstead or any anybody else for that matter. In harm's way. Yeah. And uh, there, that's I don't, one thing I don't you cannot think he's do as a coach. I, I, have, I, I have no reason to believe that's what he's Yeah. Going to do, I don't right? think they're going to do that. I think they're going to play it, play it as safe as they can. I, I think that this is something that the staff does really well with. I don't think that they force yeah, guys along sure. too fast. Um, I think that that is, you know, the, the timing is what the timing is. He'll be ready when he is. And you don't, yeah, you don't play around with this kind of thing. So, um, yeah. anything else from this from this game that you want to uh, that you want to talk about here? Where do you want to go next, if anywhere, with this? Well, yeah, just you know, with that, we don't know how long Lagat is going to be the guy. It's it's his job now until yep. um, McKay is back. So you, you do have to find a way to to make sure that his performance is is replicated. Um, I would I would not if I were a betting man, I would not put money on on Laga winning the job back. I think that that the is, ship has sailed. Yeah. The ship yeah. That sailed. ship has sailed. Um, medically, you don't know how long this is going to be. Uh, um, you know, you don't know how long it is going to be Cooper, but um, the, the quarterback troubles it's, I could, I could understand, you know, you could be forgiven for being a little bit worried with everything going on, but I think, 
if Cooper can continue to carry himself the way he has. Uh, he he's formidable until McKay can get back, uh, hopefully yeah. sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of that, moving on to the rest of the game, uh, there was, um, yeah, I mean, I think we've we've covered mo- you know that first quarter is what I want to talk about. Ike Larson, where do you want to go from? Was there anything else in this game, or do you want to look for or uh, kind of move on to to something else? Um, I, I think I have one more thing. So we're, this is not, not really the traditional recap because this was not really the traditional game. U- Utah State goes <laughs> yeah. back, takes the lead. UConn ties it. Utah State scores uh, with the 52-yard touchdown pass. Um, I will say the 71-yard of the screen. Man, is Jalen Royals fast. They were not kidding. That kid is really yeah. fast. <laughs> that kid is yeah, really, is. really, really fast. He um, went, kind he of a went, Jalen uh, Royals breakout game that yeah. we, we haven't mentioned him on the show definitely a Jalen Royals breakout game showing, uh, He's showing good. everybody what he could do and why the why the coaching staff was so stoked on him for yeah sure. yeah if you and that's that's what Utah State was really missing at receiver last year is the idea that if you shut down one guy somebody else pops up like whack-a-mole right if you want to yeah. double if you know if you want to double Terrell Vaughn that is that is your prerogative you can do that you, <laughs> you can you can make that decision and Jalen Royals will show you why you shouldn't do that. And that's yeah. what he did here. UConn did not have anybody who could match up with him physically, even a little bit. He was he was the fastest player on the field, and he was getting open. He was making plays. He's been really good this year. I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for, for the way that he has played, the way he blocks, the way that he runs his routes. He's really, really talented. I, I think he was excellent here. Um, the, the screen, like I was saying, he went from 30 to 30 on the field in about and about 4.35 seconds, which is pretty much what we've heard. Doing that in pads is insane. Being able to go that fast, running a 4-3 basically in pads is unbelievable. I, I, he's really, really fast. He's a guy who I, I hope we get to see in a, in a combine-style scenario because I would love to see him run the 40-yard dash. He is he's quick. <laughs> he's yeah. really, really quick. He, he took that thing to the house in a, in a hurry. Um, but, uh, Utah state takes the lead again in the fourth quarter. UConn drives down, kicks a field goal. Utah state gets kind of conservative with the play calling. UConn was, was putting, was putting three on the line and dropping eight and Utah state just ran against it, which is, you know, uh, I, I, I can understand where they're coming from. They were trying to burn some clock. It didn't end up working out the way that they wanted. The defense didn't get the stop that it needed. The game comes down to the point after, uh, Ike Larson makes a play. And it, it is what it is. I think that the play calling was, was, you know, left something to be desired near the end of the game. But also I understand you don't want to put the ball in harm's way and you don't want to put Cooper in a bad situation. I get it. You need to be able to run the ball more than Utah State could here. I think that the backup line, they had four starters out at the end of this game on the line. I think it definitely played a part. And, you know, the, the, yeah. it's, there's only so much you can do about that. I will say... um I would like. I wonder where. I, I'd like to know where Aliyah Mingal is. Right. I, he's not. We've not seen him this year. Very talented player. Very athletically gifted player. Has had some issues with snaps at center. I wouldn't mind just seeing him at guard. Then, if you're having issues with the snaps, he was. Yeah. He played. He's played guard. I think that his physicality would be pretty valuable for this team. Um, I, I think that the backup lineman handled the situation pretty well given the circumstances they had i mean it was literally there was one starter on the field at the end of the game it was teague anderson he was the only guy who made it through the game they came into the game without cole moach without falapuleyalo without tavo motuapuaka 
Uh, Wade Meacham only played 18 snaps. It was mostly the backups here. I thought they handled that pretty well, all things considered. You can't really... You can't really ask that much of four backups on an offensive line. That's hard to do. It it just is. That's that's not really something that I can blame Utah State for. You've got guys who haven't played before. You've got Bryce Radford in there making a start. You've got just a lot, a lot of guys in a tough spot. You know, Wyatt Bowles was playing tight end earlier in the game and then steps in at guard. You've got it's just it's a hard thing to do. It just is. Um, I thought yeah, they, they generally handled that pretty well. What I will say, my last thought on all of this. Um, and I, I alluded to this earlier, but the, the defense, the defense, man, is just, it's hard to get a read on these guys. It's really hard to get a read on these guys because sometimes they're really good. And then other times they're, they've missed 10 tackles in this game and they cannot get pressure with four and they need to find a way to do that. They, they just don't get pressure. This line is not getting pressure right now. And I think that I would I would love to see Blaine Spires out there more. I think that he has played well in the snaps that he that he's gotten. Um, I would love to see him get some starting snaps. I think he's deserving of that. I think that we have seen some guys on this defense moved into starting roles who deserved it. Devin Dye was excellent here. I thought Devin Dye played really really well. Um, Anthony Switzer I think has figured it out at linebacker. Took him a week. He's he's got it. He's he's learned his assignments. I thought he was great here. But up front specifically. This the line just has to be better. It just does. They're not gonna they're not gonna be able to do a whole lot if they can't get pressure with four, and they never did in this game. They, you you need you need some ends who can make plays. You need tackles who can get some penetration. I you know the the there's experience up front. I think I would like to see some other guys get a chance just because we're not seeing progress from the line. I think that the line is causing a lot of problems for this defense. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. The offensive line is what we uh, we've been, fa- you know, fairly pretty hard on the offensive line, but the defensive line has been struggling just as much, yeah. um, if not more. Honestly, uh, I know health is a concern, really, on the entire offense, but certainly on that line, they've they've just got to figure something out. You you've got to be able to pressure the quarterback with that line. Yeah, I got some. Yeah, figure something out whether it's. Yeah, yeah. You go ahead and throw those stats out because uh, whether it's personnel or whether it's game planning, you just got something's got to give on that. Yeah. So in this game, this is a defense. I, I we've said this before. I'll say it again. This is a defense that is built on havoc, which is tackles for loss. It's sacks, which is part of tackles for loss. Uh, forced fumbles, interceptions, and pass breakups. I believe are the things that contribute to havoc as a stat. Havoc rate, the percentage of defensive snaps where you create one of those plays this defense is not getting enough of it right now. Uh, they had one sack, five tackles for loss, one pass broken up, one forced turnover, and that was the interception, the Devin Dye interception. They almost got a couple fumbles. UConn kept kept uh, kind of teasing them with with false fumbles. They never got one. But, yeah, they did. Um, the, the stats specifically for this defensive line on the year, 11 tackles for loss and three sacks through five games, seven and a half tackles for loss and two sacks against FBS competition. It's not enough. It's just not enough not, in this defense. Enough. You need guys like Paul Fitzgerald, Kyan Sloan, Inaka Mingau, um, Hale Motuapuaka, Sini Tuiaki, all of them. I could, li- I could list every single guy who plays on this line. You need more from all of them. It, it's not, that's not, you can't blitz on every play. It's just not going to get the job done, especially not against a team like this week against Colorado State. And I asked Blake about that, and he said, you know, you're going to waste your day if you can't get pressure with four against Colorado State because they'll pick yeah. you apart. Yeah, 
you can't. You you need you need guys making plays on the defensive line, and I'm just not seeing it right now. Yeah, I mean, not only against Colorado State, you're going to waste your day uh, more often than not yeah. if you can't. Jeff, Jeff you Tedford can't is those... licking his lips seeing that. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff yeah, Tedford he... and Fresno State would be more than happy to do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, Fresno State's going to get real ugly if you know if a few things don't go our way, and that's one of them. You got to be able to bring pressure with with those four. You got to be able to uh, cause havoc without blitzing every player you have. You know, it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's a real issue. And and like I've said, you know, it's 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 probably a mix of personnel and game planning, but something's got to give because you're just not getting enough out of that position. You got to get more. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing more of the transfers. I mentioned Spires, Sir Mel's I'd like to see a little bit more of. Clifton Mosley I thought played really well last week. We didn't see him here. I don't know if he's dinged up. Um, just some of those guys. I'd like to see them get on the field. I, I would like to see what they have. I'd like to see, you know, just something different. <laughs> just something different. I, I think that there are guys on this team who should be getting a chance at this point. We're just Just see what you have. See if you can find anybody who can make some plays on the defensive line because they're not getting enough right now. I think that there are guys who individually we have seen play well before. I think Sini Tuiaki has made a lot of good plays in his career. Um, but you you want to just, at this point, just see what you've got on this defense. See if there are guys who are here who can make plays. See if you've got a Devin Dye up front. See if you've got somebody who could, survive, who could surprise you and improve themselves and step into a bigger role because um, they need it. They need guys to step up there, and they're not really getting it right now. Yeah, totally agree. All right, you want to talk about the Mountain West a little bit and then get out of here? Yeah, let's run through some of those games. Uh, we're getting to the point where, again, I think we kind of talked said this last week, we're starting to play each other more often, so there's fewer and fewer games. Um, this is a, a pretty fun slate. I think it uh, yeah went went pretty pretty much the way I thought it was. No big surprises, but uh, definitely a fun slate. Yeah, let's, um, let's start here with a team we've talked about a lot this year, and I think we're probably going to continue yeah. to talk about. Uh, Memphis yep. 35, Boise State 32. Boise State was ahead 17-0 to zero in the second quarter of this game. Um, and then that was it. That was pretty much the last good thing that they did. They scored with 39 seconds left to make this a little bit more respectable. Um, Memphis had just a, a back-breaking drive to end this game, basically in the fourth quarter. Drove down the field in six minutes, something like that, and put the ball in the end zone. Um, Taylor Green benched for Maddox Madsen, who I think probably is a better fit for this offense at this point because Taylor Green's just not accurate enough to do what they want to do. He's just not. Yeah. Um, I think right, it's probably. Yeah, I think it's probably time to call time that. Coming on this one, yeah. yeah. Long time um, coming. And uh, and Memphis was able to basically what Memphis did. The adjustment that Memphis made was that they realized that and they just took away Ashton Ginty. They just you know loaded the box and said we're not going to let you run on us anymore. We want to see Taylor Green beat us, and he couldn't do it. Um, yeah. I, I think that that was going to be yeah. If it wasn't Memphis, it was somebody. They, yeah. they, they were getting easy to figure out. With, yeah, with, I, I I think I think if you yeah. want to do the thing that they tried to do on offense, where they're setting up play action, where they're trying to spread the ball around, uh, Taylor is just not efficient enough to do it. He's a talented player. If you aren't spe- spoon feeding him those downfield throws like they did last year, he, it's just not going to work. It's just he's just not accurate enough. He doesn't process fast enough. He's limited. He's just he just is, and I think Maddox is for them probably a better solution moving forward because he can operate within the offense and kind of the same stuff we've been talking about with Utah State. I think Maddox is probably the guy there moving forward. But uh, frustrating loss for Boise State. I don't really, and this is not a conference loss, but from what I have seen from these guys, 
I don't really think Boise State's going to be a huge factor in the Mountain West this year. I think they have a couple more losses still on the table here. Um, they've got Air Force. They've got Fresno State on the schedule. They've got Wyoming on the schedule. They've got a matchup with Utah State that I don't think is super favorable for them if this is what they can do on defense. Um, I think it's going to be kind of a long year for Boise State, and it seems like from what I have from what I have gathered in seeing Utah or in seeing Boise State fans and, and reporters and people talk about it, I think that they might be. Uh, I think they might be approaching an end here with Andy Avalos, which I would I would agree with. I just they just don't have it right now. Yeah, frustration seems to be growing with Andy Avalos. Um, yeah, kind of a, a rare season for Boise State where they just continually don't figure it out. Yeah. They've had kind of slow starts in the past, but uh, really starting to shape up like the rare down year for the Broncos. Hopefully that continues at least through uh, our game with them. But I will say uh, I, I really wanted to play them before they benched Taylor Green. But yeah. Uh, such as unfortunately life. that is not not in the cards yeah next up here air force 49 san diego state 10 i alluded to this one yeah. earlier man um air force is really good air force oh i, I goodness, we we, <laughs> we kind of called this one a couple weeks ago air force is really good they're they are this is as good a team as i have ever seen troy calhoun have and he's had some they're really so good, good teams these guys are terrific they're they're good at everything that they do um, I really, really like yeah. watching them play. They were, yeah, they were dominant here. They were completely dominant. They, they just, they ran them off the field. They completely ran them off the field. They, I, I don't know that. And I've said this in a couple places. I don't know that anybody's beating Air Force this year. I think they might roll through this schedule with twelve wins. They look awesome. They look completely awesome. They, that is so unbelievably possible for Air Force. <laughs> I don't. They are so good. This is a game where both teams really just showed us who they are. Yeah. Air Force is really <laughs> that good. Like yes. if you didn't believe them last week, if you didn't believe them the week before, they they are really this good. When they... And San Diego State is really yeah. really that uh in in trouble. Um yeah, yeah Air Force might not lose a game. They are Oh man, they're fun. I want to just I'm going to just rattle off a couple things here from the from the scores of this game real quick just to give you an idea of this because the pri- the the majority of the points in this game came from two quarters for Air Force, the second and the third quarter. Um and the thing is, and Utah State learned this the hard way. <laughs> Utah State learned this in the first quarter. The thing with this Air Force team that is so specifically scary about what they do cuz this isn't usually the approach, right? Like they They'd love to do this, but it's an option team. It's a triple option team. They're possession. They're, you know, slowing the game down. They're doing all this stuff. They don't usually do this. The way that this specific Air Force team will just turn out the lights, will just kill you, is terrifying. They are so good at doing this. Um, in the second quarter, they score a seven-yard touchdown run uh, with 10:31 to play. They score a two-yard touchdown with 4:21 to play. They score a three-yard touchdown with 43 seconds to play. Seven points in about 10 minutes. Uh, or or uh, 21 points in about 10 minutes. In the third quarter, they score... Um, they I don't think the timing is quite right on the app that I'm looking at here, but they scored three touchdowns, I believe, within the first eight minutes of the third quarter. They had a 54-yard touchdown pass, a pick six, and then a 53-yard touchdown pass. Um, that's 42 points. <laughs> that's 42 points in two quarters in about 18 combined minutes. The, they are they are really 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 something special they are very impressive i i i yeah. cannot say enough positive about air force those guys are fantastic 
Yeah, they're they're gonna have some hardware this year. I think I said the same thing last week. But if yeah. it's not the Mountain West Trophy, it's the Commander in Chief Trophy for sure. They, I, I would not uh, many teams that can beat them. I would really, 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 really love to see them get their chance at a Power Five team in a New Year's Six bowl game. I would love to see that happen. I would love to see. I, yeah, I would love to see don't. USC have to deal with these guys. I <laughs> oh oh I would Man, love to see USC have be, to deal with these guys. Alex Grinch, good luck. Beautiful. Good luck doing that. I think that's uh, I think that's a long evening if you are if you are anybody playing against Air Force this season. Um, also on the schedule here, UNLV forty four, Hawaii twenty, just dominant from from UNLV. Really impressive win from them. Um, yeah. They've looked good. They they continue to look good. I thought that they put this game away well. Um, they are. I think that they've just gone with a different quarterback. I think Jaden Mayava is the new quarterback there. They're running the ball really really well. He seems to fit what they want to do. This is not. It's not technically an option offense. Brendan Mary and the offensive coordinator does a lot of spread option stuff, though, and they're running it really well. They've got some really good halfbacks. I thought they played well here. Yeah, definitely. I think this is another one that we were kind of on on top of a couple of weeks ago. UNLV, they're they're legit again. Yep. Like if you didn't believe them last week, they're if you talented. didn't believe them the week before, they're they're good this year. They're not just good for UNLV standards. They are good. They're they're going to be. Uh, they're going to have a lot of fun this year. I'm I'm happy to see that program make the progress that they've made. Um, really, a dominant win against Hawaii, who isn't isn't all that all yeah. that good this year. But did what they man, should. It do. sure feels good to win 44-20 in a conference. Doesn't matter who you're playing. That feels good, and they're they're legit this year. Yeah. What well, next up? Wyoming 36, New Mexico 25. Um, this is a, a, I would say vintage <laughs> Wyoming win. This felt very much like a uh, a Wyoming victory in the conference. They they kick a field goal late to extend the lead a little bit. New Mexico had a late touchdown as well here. Um, the the thing the main stat that really stands out to me here above all of the other ones. I think that this was generally not a, not a ton to take from this. Uh, Harrison Whaley, the starting running back there, who was injured to start the season, has stepped back into that role. 18 carries, 191 yards, and a touchdown. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's, that is pretty good. That's a pretty good day at work. That's uh, that's not too shabby. They are good as well. Um, Fresno State 27, Nevada 9, and Colorado State 41, Utah Tech 20. I don't really have a ton to say about either of these. Yeah, those those two, again, it's just um, – at least Colorado State, Utah Tech, just, you know, Colorado State doing their job. Fresno State beating Nevada. That uh, 27 to 9, that, that says more about Nevada. I think they – yeah, they showed signs of life in weeks past. I just don't know if they can. I just don't know what Nevada is going to be. If uh, well, okay, I, I think I do know what Nevada is going to be, um, and it's it's not anything good. Yeah, um, they they are slowly fading back into uh, not a very not a very good team um, yeah. after showing I think signs of life in the pre- previous two weeks, but and not this, good this against is, Fresno State. I mean, I'll say twenty seven isn't the yeah. most that they've scored, but but. Yeah, about yeah, about the way it was. It was pretty comfortable. I'll say, yeah, twenty-seven yeah. nine. It could yeah. be a lot worse for Nevada. At least you're not feeling Much like worse. oh, we weren't we weren't killed, right? It wasn't as bad as what yeah. happened to San Diego State. It could have been a lot <laughs> yeah. worse, um, but it could have been a lot better as well. Um, the only thing I have to say on either of these games, I just want to shout out a guy from Fresno State who I'm sure we're going to talk about in a couple weeks when we're previewing that game. Jalen Gill is a guy I have some familiarity with before this season because he was a five star out of uh, nearby, near where I grew up, Westerville South, who went to Ohio State initially. 
Um, didn't it, it just didn't really work at Ohio State. He couldn't get onto the field. He, he had some injuries. He went to Boston College for a couple years. He's now at Fresno State. Uh, eight receptions, 126 yards, and two touchdowns. Just really happy to see him having success. Very good guy. Um, comes from a really good family. Has gone through a lot to get to this place. Um, really glad to see that he has found a, a school and a program and an offense that fits him, that he's having this success. He's a really good player. He's very, very talented. He was a five-star for a reason. Um, I think that he has got, uh, I, I think we've got an ideal pairing here of school and, and player, and I always like to see that. So shout out to Jalen Gill. Glad to see him having that uh, that success. Very, very cool. Um, yeah, that's one of those that you just you just love to see stuff like that come together for yeah. the kid. That's, um, I'll say that know. is one of the number one things that I would point to when people, you know, I, I get a lot of, you, you get positive and negative on the transfer portal. It has obviously helped and hindered Utah State at times. That's the kind of thing that I would point to as like, this is what it is. This is, this is where it, it can, you know, really mean yeah. a lot to some guys. Jalen Gill is probably going to make some money because of this. Jalen Gill is probably going to have his life changed because of this. He would not have had that opportunity if not for the transfer portal. Um, yep. And it's great for Fresno State. They get a really talented player. It's also just for these guys who the sport is built around they get a chance and some of them, you know, you, you didn't used to get that same chance. I'm, I'm just, it is a, it is a positive that these guys have the opportunity and, and that somebody like Jalen Gill can go and find a school that fits him and that knows how to use him in an offense that appreciates him. Um, just happy for him. Happy for the guy. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's all I have here, Parker, unless you have anything else, we'll get out of here. Yeah, man, that's all I got. Uh, we'll get out of here. Um, go Aggies.